Talks, a chat with Finance Malta, is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa McDonald. Welcome. Welcome to this latest in the series of podcasts on behalf of Finance Malta. And I'm really chuffed to be here today with Geraldine Spiteri. She's a director and, and partner of Acumum. But she's also uh, very specialised in aviation. In fact, she won an excellence award for maritime innovation at a recent economics forum, the Women's Economic Forum. Geraldine, we're talking here about aviation and a very specific part of aviation, which is seen as a very important sector for Malta and especially one where innovation has really put Malta on the map, as it has done for maritime boat sectors that you've been involved in. However, it's not gone without its controversy, let's say. And one of the points which has been made quite a lot is that, you know, oh, these people are jetting around uh, on their private jets and their business jets um, at a time when we're so worried about transportation and its effect on climate change. How are things with that? I mean, do you feel that this, uh, the criticism is justified? Right. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, um, business and corporate aviation, so um, as well as private jets. Private jets are when the aircraft is used for the fun and family needs of the owner, whereas business is when he uses it for his company and maybe charters it out to the odd client or so. Now, during COVID, and this is where this really took off during covid because of many airlines cancelling flights and airports closing um private aviation both corporate and individual use tended to go up because there you are organizing transport in a secluded way a little bit like bolt had you know and ecabs and other companies in the land transport really took off back then Now, the concerns with that have been you are moving a whole plane with all the carbon emissions that it takes, all that fuel, to move 49 people instead of 249. So the carbon footprint per person is much more than if you were to take, say, your conventional airline. Post-COVID, what happened was that people liked the privacy not having to rely on unreliable airport schedules, cancellations, huge queues, we know what, especially... Luggage, lost luggage. Lost luggage, (laughs) as well as the queues at airports and the boarding hassles. Okay, so there are much more restrictions boarding, say, a national airline. Let's not touch the cheap airlines. A national airline, then you have, if it is a private jet, although there are these... So this has led to a whole plane being moved for much less people. And there have been environmental issues. Just a few months back, uh, some environmentalists managed to get on the Schiphol runway and they sat on the floor, on the ground, on the runway to prevent uh, private jets from leaving. Um, It even stopped a medical aircraft from leaving. So there is a lot of attention when it comes to um, the carbon footprint of the aviation industry, particularly business and private. 
so when we're talking about carbon emissions, because we want to see it in the context of transport being one of the worst offenders when it comes to yes. fossil fuel use and so yes. on. I mean, do, do corporate jets amount for a big percentage of the emissions? Worldwide, actually, um, it's only around 0.4%. Okay, so it's still, not that much. As you're saying, it's it's more about the 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 personal carbon footprint. Yes, of it's people. more about the personal. And when you consider, if you say zero point four percent, it's small. But probably, if we will sit down, if we would sit down and say, how much is zero point four percent? An environmentalist would probably have a heart attack at the amount. So <laughs> yes, of course, and it's certainly not something to scoff at because I, I mean every little bit counts. Every little bit counts. At the end counts. of the day, however, um, how does it work out? Because I mean, obviously, you're you're looking at now the the possibility of carbon offsets um, and people making up for their footprint in a particular way. Is that perhaps one of the solutions, or are there other more technological solutions? There is. There is obviously on the mechanical side, there has been a constant development of engines to be more carbon efficient and to be cleaner, reusing of the actual emissions for other. That has been on the cards. Recently, as, er, as early or as late as 2016, there has been the development of sustainable aviation fuel. We call it SAF or SAF for short. Uh, I've coined it as the new buzzword in aviation. What it is, is a fuel which is made from sustainable organic compounds, which are not fossil fuel, um, which thankfully um, has been made up so as to be used directly by the system. So you don't have to make any expensive changes to the engines or the aircraft to host something else. You just add it to the fuel that's already being used. Okay. However, um, obviously, when you look back, there's an awful lot of greenwashing. So let me challenge you on this. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, when uh, people had started using bioethanol, it had resulted in a number of communities being left without corn to eat because all the corn was being used for this. So when you say it's being used from sustainable organic compounds, does it have a, an impact? Are we seeing great swathes of um, forest being removed to grow whatever is required for this fuel? Um, it will be produced from wastes and other compounds specifically so for the purpose. Okay. Yes, it will not take away already um, required foodstuffs and food supplies. This is what we've been told so far. Um, Gosh, that would be a win-win situation because these are the kind of solutions we're Obviously, one would have to see if there is an increased demand for this SAF, uh, whether that would have some impact. I know that for the moment it is still very expensive to obtain simply because uh, even if you make a soup, you know, you'll have one really huge spinach plant and you'll make maybe a cupful of soup. I would imagine it would be the same when you are making this yeah. uh, fuel. Well, we have, to, we have to rely on the scientists because eventually when there is a commercial demand for something, they will find ways to make it cheaper, as we've seen with solar energy. With I mean, solar much, energy, yes. All right. If you consider so you have, what's happened in the past, yes. Yes, you have a balance here. So you don't need any specific technology, equipment, adaptations 
to use this fuel. And that, you said that, in fact, the, the, the same planes can use this fuel without yes. any Just changes to... It's quite amazing. It's yeah. quite amazing, but it is expensive. So if you can afford a, a tank of fuel, you would add a little amount, um, which is already a help in bringing down the carbon emission of that airplane to an amount less. It will depend on how much you've added. Yes, but these are people who would otherwise have to pay for carbon offsets because this is the way yes, we're going. Yes. So really, the cost has to be seen in the context yes. of what you would be paying otherwise. Otherwise. Yeah. And in fact, this is how they're seeing it. Um, you will find that people who are buying or chartering out aircrafts, um, they're not a, don't have such an I don't care attitude as the environmentalists portrayed. portrayed. Uh, in fact, they, there are those who do ask uh, what are the sustainability um, options for this plane? Um, if they're chartering, you know, how about carbon footprint? There are people who do ask. Um, especially those in finance, because we are finding that finance companies, and this is not just in aviation, when they ask for a business plan surrounding any financing to acquire a plane, to do maintenance and whatever, will ask about sustainability plans. And this will be an other plus towards getting the green light from a bank. Of course, one of the things that we've seen over the last few years is that uh, any public company now has got an element of CSR where their shareholders are demanding that they operate in a more green way. Yes. But as you are saying, there is now no longer only the pull factor, there's also the push factor, which uh-huh. will come through the green deal. So this point is super important. Mm-hmm. They're finding it harder to get financing unless they actually have green credentials. Some green credentials. Gosh, that's going to make uh, quite a difference, no, going forward. Yes, I mean, aircraft have gone into plans how to reuse the material at the end of life, or if there's a... For the actual aircraft itself. Yes, but this is a big plus, um, and we are hoping that scientists, by the time we reach the 2058, which is not that far away, considering, um, will have found a way to be able to increase the percentage of SAF being used alongside normal aviation fuel, uh, for it to be even more um, performance dri- driven, because obviously the grade of fuel will would or could affect the performance of a plane. Uh, unlike using biodiesel, it hopefully won't smell of chips. <laughs> um, but again, you know, I think that people have to consider the fact that you don't need a refit for your plane. You're going to have the carbon offset. Um, that is going to make up for some of the huge expense. Now, in Are there implications of this for normal commercial aviation as well, Geraldine, or is this something which is limited to the smaller jets? At the moment, it's been limited to the smaller jets. I think that is also because the way commercial airlines have to contend um, you know, with competition, this would be something which would drive their prices quite higher. Could you put all of this into the context um, of local, the local aviation as a financial sector, as a particular sector, because we, we have quite a few things which we are doing in aviation, yes. which are quite innovative, no? Perhaps you could explain what they are to me. Well, we do have a very good aircraft registry. 
Um, I believe the registry as the regulator and therefore one of the drivers of the industry, I would say, um, could put up push, you know, for um, any sustainability, any green, although the aim of the registry is to act as a registrar of craft. There is a part of that um, where regulation could push towards this sustainability. As the MFSA does with financial institutions, yes, for example. Yes. yes, there is in fact the Global Environmental Sustainability Governance, ESG, which is one of the measures of how a company operates. Financiers like banks um, in the aviation industry, and this is um, mostly big global corporates um, because the finance of aircraft, we're talking millions, we're not really talking tens of thousands, but they do push. Um, so therefore, when you have the Malta corporate side or the Malta manager side, and in Malta we do have a number of aircraft operating companies, we call them AOC, that have a certificate from Transport Malta to manage the aircraft, uh, these could aid and assist with the implementation of sustainable technology, uh, even when working with the engines uh, and parts manufacturers, let's say in the replacement of parts and even in the suggestion or sourcing of purchase of fuel. I have to ask you, because you're also involved in the maritime side as well, yes. the criticism of people using personal jets or corporate jets could also be applied to people using super yachts and yes, so on. Yes, it is. Are we seeing the same um, technological drive there, yes. demand yes. for there is sustainable huge, fuels? Yes, there is a huge demand. Um, there are now adverts as XYZ yacht has been launched and it's fully green, fully sustainable. With a yacht, it is probably easier to have solar powered bits because it's not going to fall out of the sky if something goes wrong. With an aircraft, it's that much more delicate. You know, you can't afford anything to fail. So before they include any changes to the way the engines work, they have to be sure that it's as fail safe as possible. With a yacht, okay, you might go adrift, but you're on a body of water. And you so, can always have a backup yes. system anyway. Yes. It's much easier than yes. on a plane where every single, you know, um, ounce, I was going to say, gram, yes, everything <laughs> is so now. important. It's not just that, it's that if the engine fails, it's going to fall and probably nobody will survive, you know? Now with yachts, what they have done is they've done solar powered bits and that makes less use of you know, um, fuel. Um, then you have engines which have less emissions or have other ways of being more environmentally friendly. Um, and there is quite a push for that. In fact, in the recent yacht shows I attended, there always was one big boat or other that was either being launched or promoted and sometimes even on charter that this boat is being chartered and that it has certain, it's green or it's green er, or... <laughs> yes, at least there's an effort, an effort being an made. Effort. Yes. Um, there is no denying that, of course, these um, craft um, are environmentally, you know, you have one big yacht which might be going to the Arctic. Can you think of the fuel from the Med to the Arctic, say, or, or maybe cruising around the world or cruising the Med, uh, carrying maybe 10, 13 people. 
Um, and it's a different market entirely to when you have one boat carrying 4,000, okay? Um, but there is a bigger push even for the use of environmentally friendly materials uh, when manufacturing the, the vessels and the aircraft. So yes, there is a push in both industries because they are seen as the industries of the very rich people. So the, the attitude is, you know, if you're going to do uh, an activity that's going to cause so much harm to the environment, you must do something about it. You cannot just continue to, to throw these harmful substances into the It's very the reassuring to hear you say that high net worth individuals have actually got much more of a conscience than uh, most people seem to assume. They do, but I think part of the push is the finances. Um, you know, exactly. you won't the get The pull is not enough, you need, you need the push as you well. You need yeah, the push yeah. as well. The carrot and the stick. Uh, yes. So the finances, the regulators... Um, I suppose there could even be, as an aviation centre, right, aircraft which actually come into Malta might need to have certain things in place because Malta is small, we already have a lot of smog. Again, an aircraft which is registered that might need to come to Malta will take that into account and then that plus technology is going to be of beneficial wherever the aircraft flies, not just here. Geraldine, thank you very much for that. I'm sure it will be extremely useful for people who are considering Malta as the aviation sector of choice. Thank you. That's all for today. Subscribe now to the FinTalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.